This is IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. I'm your host, Lee Llewellyn. Today, I'm pleased to be spending time with Heather Tallman. Uh, Heather is the uh, Indiana Department of Agriculture, with the Indiana Department of Agriculture, and is the program director for the Indiana Grown Program. So, Heather, thanks for taking time to chat with me today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Let's let's begin with the basics. So, what is Indiana Grown, and how did it get started? So Indiana Grown was kicked off a little over five years ago to be a promotional marketing brand initiative for Indiana agriculture. And so when we originally kicked off, our main focus was how to help small businesses, agribusinesses get to market. Um, At that time, there were not a lot of avenues for someone who made a product, let's just say a barbecue sauce or a salsa or a cheese product. There were not a lot of avenues for them to get to market. And so like the other at that time, 48 states, we uh, created this agriculture marketing initiative and it really, it really, you know, took off. So here we are over five years later, we've really grown, our, our mission has grown, what we, our work and our outreach has really grown, and I think we have a lot of big things in store for us in the future. So, so I know that there are four different categories that define the kinds of products that are included in Indiana Grown. So let's go through those four categories and what distinguishes the products that are included in each of those categories. So we look at our membership this way as items that are packaged, raised, grown, or processed in Indiana. And we include in that food, fiber, and fuel. So if you look at something that is grown in Indiana, like sweet corn, that's a very easy assumption that's Indiana grown. But there are also products that are processed in Indiana. So look at all the products made by Red Gold. So they don't grow those tomatoes themselves. They contract with over 17 family farms in Indiana to grow tomatoes for them, but they process that in Indiana. They're creating jobs, they're creating economic development, and that's what we're about. So we really hone in on things that are packaged, raised, grown, and produced in Indiana. You know, so when you said 17 family farms, I guess I would have thought, um, when you think about how big red gold is, I would have thought that there would be many more producers than that. That's that's kind of an interesting number. Yeah, there are, there are large farms. Uh, it's, it's kind of a neat thing to see. And whenever it's harvest time, how quickly the tomatoes can go from uh, the field to the can. And all those farms are within a certain distance of their main processing facility, which is in Elwood. It's very neat to see. Uh, and then and the nice part about our program is we really connect the dots with consumers. So if a brand is already doing a great job of talking about their Indiana connection, we kind of come around behind them and promote that aspect. Or for farmers market vendors who are starting off, we help them learn how to promote their products at that grassroots level. So we really want to shine a light on what's already going on in Indiana and then also encourage and help incubate ideas for the future. So I think you've probably touched on this a little bit, but um, so why is that important to, to Indiana producers to have the Indiana grown imprint on what they're doing? I mean, how does that, how, how do you help them or how does that help those, those uh, Indiana companies? 
Well, I look at this in two kind of aspects. So if someone is a farmer's market vendor these days, it helps to have our Indiana Grown logo or certificate somewhere visible in that booth because it really solidifies the fact that that is a, a farm that has grown that produce or made that product or harvested that honey and that they didn't just buy it off of the truck and resell it. Um, probably 10 years ago, that might have happened a little bit more at farmer's markets where people would buy things, then repackage it resell it. Um, the Indiana Grown logo shows that not only are they a family farm or a farm, they are an Indiana Grown member farm. So that's, we found that to be a marketing piece that they have really used. On the flip side, if you're at the grocery store, just a standard grocery store, and you're looking at four ketchups on the shelf that range in price from 97 cents to 4.99. Sometimes what's going to help you make that decision is if you care about keeping your money locally. So if you see a product that bears the Indiana Grown logo, you can see that, oh, okay, this maybe is someone I know. Maybe this is someone who lives in my county, or this is an Indiana business that I want to support. And so we encourage members to put the logo on their products for just that reason. Well, I think that's good. I think it's good uh, that it does encourage people to think a little bit more about um, um, supporting local farmers, supporting local businesses, uh, and being able to see that and know that there's, that there's, it's not just a logo, it's not just something that somebody tacks on there, but that there is a process that someone goes through to, to receive that designation. Mm -hmm. So uh, how many different members, I don't know how you categorize this, members, partners, uh, products, how do, you, how do you count how many participants you have at this point? So right now today we have over 1,600 members and we have members in every county so that's nice that we know we can look at a county kind of a heat map is what we have and we can see where the highest concentration of members are and we do use that data quite a bit especially in our outreach, not only to grow our numbers, but also when we want to convene meetings, I use this map to know where I should travel. And everyone who applies can go through a very simple process. If they use the internet, they can go online and apply through our digital online application, which is very simple. Or if they do not use the internet, we will mail them an application and any information they need, they can mail it back to us and we will input that for them. So it's very simple. It's free. Everything we do is free. And when someone applies, I, I get their application. I look it over. I contact them to find out what they do. If it's a business, I'll try to drive by. If it's a product, I try to buy it. Uh, just so I can have some awareness on what they do. Um, we don't ask for samples. We don't want them to feel like they have to give us anything to look at. We do that work ourselves. And then the next question generally is if they can use our logo. And before they can use our logo, we really have to have a good handle on where it's going to be used and how it's going to be used. Um, even though we are free and we are a state government organization, we are very protective of how our logo is used because we know it's a marketing piece. So it's a very quick process, generally between uh, when someone applies and when they get approved is generally four to five business days. Really? I mean, that's pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I know that there are, there are too many uh, partners for you to list. You said over 1,600. 
Um, and that's a pretty, I mean, that's a pretty big list. Um, and that in and of itself is impressive to know that there are that many products that can have the Indiana grown logo. Um, so that's, I mean, I think that's pretty exciting. And I know you don't like to favor any particular product, but can you, can you uh, give us some examples of what are some of the unique products or maybe even some of the standard things that have the Indiana logo that um, it would just help us to know about? Well, there are, of course, all of the obvious things that you would see if you went to a farmer's market. But here are some that I think are a little bit outside the realm of what people assume are local. So we have members who are coffee roasters. And as we all know, there's no coffee being raised and harvested in Indiana. But those roasters are procuring those beans, those raw green coffee beans from other countries. They're bringing it here, they're roasting it, they're changing it, they're packaging it, they're hiring people. And so that is an important and vital piece of agriculture economic development. And so we have members who are coffee roasters, at least 25 at last count. There are a lot of coffee roasters in Indiana. And then also breweries and wineries and distilleries. I think people forget that wine and beer and, you know, bourbon, that's all agriculture. And that all derives from an agricultural product. In Indiana, we have over 90 wineries. We have well over 100 breweries. We now have at least 25 distilleries. And so all of them are sourcing something from Indiana in some way, whether it's their bottles or their labels. But for us, what we're excited about is the volume of wineries, breweries, and distilleries that put our logo on their label. That's very valuable real estate on a, on a product. And so for the ones that are sourcing all of their ingredients locally or growing it themselves, we let them use the logo on that packaging. And there are several wineries, several breweries you could find today where you could see our logo on their label. So, do, so we know that that probably helps at some level for, for um, Hoosiers who are looking for that. How does this, I mean, how does this designation help? Does it help then reposition some of these brands nationally? Um, is, is, does that, I mean, does that have an advantage that way? You know, I've kind of heard mixed feedback there. So for example, Sun King, who is a member, they're a very rapidly growing brewery in Indiana. They do great. They're just great people all around. And they do not use our logo on any of their beers, but I know where they source a lot of their ingredients from. And I feel like that's not part of their marketing plan to confine themselves to just being an Indiana brand. You know, they want to be able to expand their sales. And so they don't see that as something that would enhance it. Uh, whereas we have another brewery, Triton Brewery, that has several beer varieties that they're sourcing all from Indiana and they see that as a vital piece of their marketing and that's their prerogative um, they create those business plans themselves we're just here to kind of come around behind and, and provide support so I can see that now where wines are concerned the wineries really see the value on in putting our logo either in their tasting rooms talking about being a member or putting it on their labels because you can really buy all of your ingredients for a wine from Michigan or you know Washington State or California or Oregon, and some do. Sometimes you have to supplement, which we understand, but they see the value in being able to promote a truly 100% Indiana grown wine, and that is something we're going to see more and more of, especially as this year progresses. Okay, 
Okay. So, so earlier you also talked about that there were existing companies uh, that, that come to you that already have a product, but you also talked about providing uh, some other kinds of support. So I know we're, we're getting ready to have a, a separate conversation uh, between the uh, Indiana State Department of Agriculture and IEDA about how we can uh, promote um, some sort of ag-based entrepreneurship what kind of mechanism uh, is in place right now as companies uh, that may be potential for for your designation or that or that are local producers that maybe haven't thought about this? How would they get started and what kind of support can you provide? So oftentimes we will have people come to us with something they're just kicking around, an idea they're thinking about. And whereas we want to hear that, I think sometimes people just need to be heard and validated. Their ideas need to be validated. We want to be here for them. We will very quickly suggest that they speak to people who are better suited to help them at the very beginning. Um, and so that would be, you know, their small business development centers. You know, they maybe need to talk to their bank. There's a lot of factors that they need to kind of have all lined up before we can help them. So there are points in the timeline of a small business or a product being created that we can help. And then it's time for us to step away and for someone else to help. And then when they're done, we come back and we acknowledge that. So we like to say often we can do a little, but we know a lot of people. And so our goal and our job and our mission is to hear them and then quickly refer them to exactly who they need at that point in their timeline and then be there for them whenever they come back and they're ready to market that product or make connections with retail or wholesale. But I think that's really important. Uh, I think, I think, uh, I mean, what I hear is that you can serve a little bit as a clearinghouse and obviously within uh, sort of the suite of services within Indiana State, you know, that you do have the small business development centers um, you know, you do have that support coming from uh, uh, the State Department of Agriculture, because I think, you know, one of the things that has really impressed me over the last few years is we have been really looking at the economic development uh, opportunities within agriculture is that that Indiana really has uh, some uh, very diverse uh, base for agriculture, and we have not always completely explored really is the opportunities to leverage some of those unique products and those unique opportunities. And that's what really intrigued me about what you're doing is, is it reminds people about some of those ways in which agriculture is not sort of a passive commodity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it's good to see how all these pieces go together you know, a farmer can raise and grow an ingredient, someone's going to process that, and then it's going to sit in a warehouse with a distributor, and they've got to move it, then it's got to get to retail, it's got to be marketed at retail, and then you teach the consumer what to do with it. And so we try to have some pieces of that timeline, we try to provide some assistance along the way, we are very quick to acknowledge what we are good at, and what we're not good at. And so luckily, as our economic development division with Indiana State Department of Agriculture grows, we're gonna be able to offer more services or at least refer them to people within our family of business to help them with that. And I think that more people are looking at us as a resource instead of 
uh, when I first started talking about Indiana Grown was about seven years ago before we kicked it off. And it was just a fluff piece to people. They didn't really think it was going to amount to anything. They didn't really think we were necessary. And here we are now, and we now have a seat at that table. So I think it's because we've shown that we pr can provide value at no cost to the people who are coming to us. So, so I think you've, you've, you've begun to t talk about sort of the impact that you're beginning to see. And I think, again, uh, I think as we look at sort of the composite of, of small businesses in a lot of local communities, uh, again, my impression has been at some point, um, we haven't thought of sort of those agricultural opportunities. So I think what's really critical about what you've been able to do is to really begin to highlight again uh, how integral um, agriculture, many of those products are. And again, it's not something, as you, you were saying, it's not something that always has to be processed somewhere else that goes and sits in a warehouse, but that is something that can be more directly connected to the market. So uh, mm -hmm. I appreciate mm -hmm. that. Uh, so the program is overseen by the Indiana Grown Commission. Um, you know, who who makes up the, the commission and, uh, you know, what's their role in the bigger picture? So our commission by state statute is required to have seats filled by people who work in agriculture, work in marketing, um, that kind of thing. So we have people who sit on seats. As a matter of fact, we just renewed five positions and we offer them the opportunity to stay on or if they want to move on. Um, so that is some, a way that we can have new faces. They do not regulate what we do. They're more of a sounding board to hear our ideas and weigh in what they hear in the industry. Uh, we have representation from Indiana Farm Bureau on the commission. We have someone who has a seat from Purdue, which is really nice to kind of hear those voices. Um, someone from the Egg Board. So it helps because at this point, for us, we're working farm to institution. We're creating uh, food systems within hospitals and universities and farm to school. You know, the Indiana Grown for Schools Network is something that took a couple of years to get off the ground for, for me. But really now we're communicating with all the public schools in Indiana on how they can procure anything made in Indiana, whether it's milk or bread or, you know, bacon. You know, we're, we're really trying to help them find those resources. So having different faces on the commission who wear a variety of hats has been very helpful. I think that's interesting. I hadn't thought about, um, and I'm glad you took a moment to talk about the connecting with the public schools and, and trying to better connect them. Because I think, you know, one of the things that we, we, we often talk about is, you know, how disconnected uh, many of us are from where our food actually comes from. And so, I mean, that at least seems to me that that shortens that distance by connecting that Indiana grown uh, model, I guess, back into, I wonder, do, do, do you have a sense that the, the schools may be making those purchases? Uh, is there any kind of way in which the, the, that's promoted then amongst the, the students? Well, a little over a year ago, I was a part of a grant that was awarded to both ISDA and the Indiana State Department of Health. And so my counterparts there and I created this network called the Indiana Grown for Schools Network. We created a guide, which is a bridge between the buyers at the school level and the sellers who are the farmers and producers. And so it's a county by county guide that those food service directors can look at 
to see who in their area is willing to sell to schools and what they have, and then they can make that connection. So the grant just required that we make that guide, which we did in less than a year. It's now been sent to every school in Indiana, which is pretty exciting. But to even follow up on that, our wraparound grant is for economic impact now to see, okay, so we made this guide. Did you use it? What did you buy? And what is the impact for farmers and producers? And so we're in that process right now. Um, obviously, it's, it's kind of a, a big undertaking. There are more than 600 public school districts in Indiana. <laughs> but so, so the economic impact is looking at specifically the, the school program, is that right? Yes. Okay. And so we hope to, through uh, August, to at least have some preliminary numbers. And we're also working with their food service distributors to say, okay, what were these schools buying before we launched the guide? And mm -hmm. how is that changing now? Because the fact remains, it doesn't matter how many farmers have products they can sell to schools. If the school doesn't want to buy from all the individual farmers, they will still say, well, I want your local carrots, but I want to buy it through my distributor. So you need to be prepared to sell it through my distributor. And sometimes that farmer will say, well, I really don't want to give up that margin. So I'm just going to move on. Mm -hmm. And so it's our job to say, well, let's talk about this. Let's see if we can, you know, make this work. Um, because I think schools do want to buy from local farmers. They don't know where to begin. They don't right. have time to chase down the information. And there's also a lot of hoops they have to jump through to get food for students. It's just not that simple. Well, I think that's I think that's pretty exciting, and I think that's a great opportunity. It'll be interesting to see uh, what that economic impact analysis shows you. Um, mm -hmm. you. You said, and this is something that we've been working with um, that I think is unique, uh, as you now have an economic development division within uh, the Indiana State Department of Agriculture, and and maybe that's not unique, but it certainly has been, I think, a real opportunity. Uh, certainly for us, working with the, the State Department of Agriculture, we created the Rural Economic Development Model. How do you see that sort of the, the mission of that particular division um, benefiting, you know, both your members, but also our members and, and really catalyzing some things around the state of Indiana? Well, I would like to think that Indiana Grown itself, which is a part of economic development, our department, but yet also somewhat separate too, because we do a lot of ag advocacy and business development that is kind of self-contained. But I would like to think that we will be able to tee up things that will turn into bigger projects that the economic development team can really run with. Um, I see that being the case with uh, distilleries and, and wineries and breweries and people who have the ability to export that is not something, that's not a conversation I ever can follow through with our members. They may say they're ready for exporting, um, and I may ask them if they've thought about it, but that next step is generally, I, I'm not with that part. I, I don't really follow it through that process. But so I think being it's able a, to have- But I think it's important so though that, that there is, it may not be you specifically, but but there is a connection there uh, with between agriculture and economic development that I think is important that you you represent or can connect them to that continuity. And I think that's something that that hasn't always been there. Absolutely. And I think what's going to be nice now is when we start to hear or start to see just that glimmer of someone being ready, 
and being able to literally look up the hall and say, hey, did you know that they are thinking about this? They're talking about this. They're ready for this and, and fast. I think is going to be a big improvement and going to be a big benefit to Indiana producers is for, for sure. So let's finish up with, uh, we have to acknowledge where we are sort of in this point in time. Um, so, so everyone is trying to uh, determine what impact uh, the coronavirus COVID-19 crisis is going to have on many different aspects of our economy. What are you hearing from some of your members in terms of what impact they're seeing, how they're uh, working around it? Um, well, let's start with sort of what are you hearing from, from your members right now? Well, I think like all of us, we all took a moment to absorb the potential impact this is going to have over the next several weeks and months. Um, I know I did. I know business owners that that are near me. We all just kind of took a moment. You have, have to have a moment and then you get organized. And that is continuing supply chains to grocery stores. That is maybe shifting their ordering system from being more face-to-face -face consumer driven components to online and digital platforms that they maybe were thinking about doing and they're just deciding to implement now. So I think what was most impressive to me was how quickly many people shifted and pivoted to just keep moving forward. So what do you think then, and, and again, we're all trying to understand, I think this is, you know, uh, we're trying to, to understand sort of in the midst of all of this, um, what do you think some of the long-term, both, I mean, challenges, but opportunities uh, may come out of this process for some of your members? Well, it would be hard for me to speculate what challenge that I may see. I will say that what the biggest challenge so far has been how to educate and guide farmers market vendors on thinking outside their model. So some of them have only ever set up shop every Saturday or Sunday at the farmer's market, and that's what they've done for years. And they've always done what they've always done. And so for them to think a different way has probably been the biggest challenge. Uh, the benefit I see from this, and I do I every day, I'm looking for the benefits and the silver linings mm -hmm. and the good stories. Um, it is that some people are now shifting to a more e-commerce platform in which to sell. And they were maybe thinking about it, they just need a nudge. And for many, this is the nudge that they needed. So I see that as a real positive piece um, to help people move along and look ahead and move forward on some plans that they had on the back burner. Well, and I think that's, I think that's good that we can see, begin to see, and I think we're all learning how to be much more virtual than we ever had to be before. And so, you know, that's, uh, that is something that's probably been accelerated whether we wanted it to or not. And mm -hmm. this particular podcast is a good example. This is, uh, we're, we're doing this on a virtual platform. Uh, so it's another example of all of that. As we finish up, Heather, what haven't we talked about? What, what are, what are, uh, did I leave something off the table? Is there uh, something that you, you want to make sure that we share with uh, IEDA members about the Indiana Grown Program? Well, I think anytime anyone has questions about a product, we obviously want to be able to help them and answer questions if we can. But we are really seeing, and I've seen this in the last couple of years, that people said, you know, 
this model of making a product and going to markets, it's tiring. I want to think differently. I want to take this product and maybe think how to ship it globally. So people who had old family recipes for dressings or um, food items that they were thinking about making, they're really looking at how to make that work and how to be different. Um, there are plenty of really good entrepreneurial stories that are very inspiring and motivating. And there are plenty of them that take place in Indiana. So I think it's always neat to remember that that business takes place here. So much starts here, but it doesn't always have to stay here. I want our members uh, to create a product that is in such high demand. They're selling on Amazon or they sell it, you know, across the country in Target. We do have members that we have incubated that are at Target, Meyer, and Walmart and Kroger and sell on Amazon and, or have their own vital e-commerce platforms. And we want to encourage that. And we want people to remember that is possible and it is happening here. I think it's pretty exciting. And I know, <clears throat> I don't know if it's on other uh, stations, but I know um, on, uh, I'm trying to remember if it's Saturday mornings uh, on channel mm -hmm. eight, I see they mm -hmm. always, they always feature something and I always look forward to, to that. And, and uh, because I think they're and and they have people from all over the state who come in with those unique products. And I think it's, I mean, I always think that that's a highlight to be able to see just the diversity of things that are being grown, packaged, produced, uh, generated out of Indiana. So congratulations, mm -hmm. I think, on the work that you've done in helping get those all highlighted. Thank you. Yeah, we're really excited. That is on every Saturday morning on Wish. Uh, we're live at 6.40 and 7.40 a.m. As a matter of fact, I just this morning wrote this week's script for this Saturday's guest, which is Java Roma Coffee. It's cool. a female-owned business in Mitchell, Indiana. So it's, it's exciting just to get them out there so they can share their own story. Mitchell, Indiana, the home of astronauts. I know Mitchell. <laughs> well, Heather, I thank you very much uh, for, for uh, doing this with me today. So I've been talking to uh, Heather Tallman. Uh, Heather is the program director for the Indiana Grown Program with the Indiana uh, Department of Agriculture. Heather, thank you very much uh, for uh, taking time. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, thanks. This has been IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. All content in this podcast is copyright 2020 by the Indiana Economic Development Association and all rights are reserved. Mm -hmm.